Own Your Creativity, Episode 27. Part of Creative Awakenings and what I teach is we, we intentionally create a piece of art that we know from the beginning that is going to be intentionally destroyed. You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's show. I am really excited to be talking to Elizabeth Brian Jacobs. She is passionate about communicating the relationship of the human body and spirit to nature and the earth. She pioneered the field of creative behaviorism, a proprietary methodology that awakens the creative process in artists and non-artists alike in order to maximize their human and spiritual potential. Creative Awakenings has become a highly in-demand program that she teaches at exclusive resorts and spas. Her work resides in numerous private collections across the United States. Brian Jacobs is also the co-author of the best-selling book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Count Your Blessings, and Soul Models, Transformative Stories of Courage and Compassion. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. Nice to meet you and great to be here. So can you talk a little bit more about this methodology of unleashing the creative spirit that you've developed? It sounds fascinating. Oh, okay. Um, Well... It's um, just something that has developed, I've developed over my life. It really has to do with connecting to, you know, whatever your source energy is, your higher power, um, and using that to create something, whether it's a piece of art, you know, writing, cooking. I mean, to me, creativity um, is any process or activity that connects us uh, using whatever is higher and bigger than us. Um, along the way. So that's my, my definition of creativity. And so what I strive to do in Creative Awakenings is help individuals connect to that in whatever way, you know, personally works for them. And so there are some general ways that I think we all connect. And then just like anything else, it's as individual as a fingerprint. So what are some of those general ways that people connect to their creativity? Well, I think that in general... There are things like nature, um, as a, as a getting out into nature and connecting with the earth. Um, meditation is another way I think that anybody can very easily connect. You know, it's however you can go silent um, and shut down your mind, whether it's taking a long walk outside or just you know sitting next to a tree or whatever that is. I think that there are, you know, really easy, natural ways to do that um, and then pra- and practices. So it's not like you can just sit down and plug yourself into the ground and boom, you're connected. <laughs> it's something that, you know, yeah, you have to practice. It's like everything else. And the more you practice, the easier it is to plug yourself in when you need to and, you know, take a breath um, if something challenging is going on and just, you know, pause and slow down and get creative. And so... This method that you teach people, is it something that uh, after they have absorbed it, that they can call upon it at any time to connect to their creative aspect or self? Yeah, that's a great question. Yes, absolutely. So it's it's not, you know, I work with people over the course of a few days. And so, you know, there there are writing prompts, there are guided meditations, there are many, many things that go into what I call 
um, the spiritual toolbox that they can take home and access and use um, when they're not, you know, with, obviously when they're not with me, when they're in daily life, and then they can kind of connect themselves. And so, again, there are the general things, and then there are the personal life things that evolve over the time we spend together. I don't, you know, I don't know what they are until I'm with somebody. So it's kind of like what gets you going, what things made you excited as a child, what makes you lose track of time. You know, there's a lot of um, inquiry into understanding the individual so that then the process is very highly personalized. How long have you been teaching this? Um, I've been teaching it for about, oh gosh, 20 years on and off, and um, most steadily in the past four or five years, one-on-one and in group. And and how did you come to develop this methodology? Um, it just really evolved as my own practice of kind of processing my own challenges in life. So, you know, I wrote soul models during after a terrible divorce so I could kind of get myself through that. And my, my thing is, okay, I'm going through something really hard. How can I get through it? And then how can I share it with somebody else? So, you know, creative awakenings and creative behaviorism evolved over years and years of my figuring out what worked for me and kind of studying master teachers, you know, all over the world. I've worked with some wonderful, wonderful teachers you know, taking a bit of this and a bit of that and stirring it up into my own pot and coming up with this recipe um, that that <laughs> helps people process their creativity and, and most primarily their negative emotions and challenging experiences and then transform them into something that's really beautiful. Because my, my whole premise in life, Elizabeth, is that, you know, whatever is created can be destroyed. And if you have the courage um, to destroy it intentionally, there's going to be something beautiful there that you can carry forward. And, you know, metaphorically, life falls apart at different times and you can't control it. Um, but there's always something beautiful to pick up and bring forward. And then and there's things to say thank you to and leave behind. That is so beautiful. And I, if I feel so liberated just listening to you because you don't, <laughs> because. <laughs> Because now I now I realize I don't have to be attached to something that I create. I can let it go okay. and transform it. it it's, it's all yeah. good, you know, and wow. Yeah, and actually part of Creative Awakenings and what I teach is we, we intentionally create a piece of art that we know from the beginning that is going to be intentionally destroyed. So um, the women I work with know that, you know, after a few hours or a day or however long I'm working with them, they're going to tear that puppy up. Wow. And then they're going to use some of the pieces that are, uh, yeah, we do a whole letting go. It's very, very ceremonial. Um, like I said, there are writing prompts that go along with it uh, that are personalized to that person, whatever it is they are attempting to let go of. And so we do it through art making. Um, and, you know, we do it with intention because in life, it's not with intention when your things fall apart, obviously. So if we can do it intentionally and learn how to use the what remains and find beauty in it, then we can apply that to our lives. So you can never be attached. It's the biggest lesson for an artist and the hardest one. Um, and I pride myself in it most of the time, but, you know, it's not, uh, I can't do it 100%, but I'm pretty good, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> 
So was there a time in your life that you weren't able to access your creativity and, and, and what was the effect of that for you? So I read that question. It was a great question. There was a time in my life when I was just in a really unhappy marriage and I was just struggling financially and working all the time, all the time, raising two children. And I, I didn't have the freedom of, of, to connect. I didn't have any time because I was really, you know, struggling to raise my kids and I felt trapped and under, under incredible amounts of pressure and I did occasionally take time to make paintings. I, I started doing watercolors during that time, big watercolors, because I always like to work mm. large. So I, if I made a watercolor, it was, you know, at least three or four or five or six feet tall. Um, and so, but for the most part, I wasn't connecting on a regular basis. And I became very, very depressed. Um, I used to look at my big, beautiful paintings and cry and think, wow, am I ever going to be that person again? And, you know, I just mm. felt so lost and sad, lost and sad. Yeah. I've been making yeah. art my whole, my whole life. I mean, since I was old enough to, you know, dig clay out of the sewer, I'm in the backyard of my house. And, you know, my mother will say she just, you know, put me in a corner with crayons when I was two. And I, I've just been that my whole life. So it must have been so painful to be disconnected from something that came so yeah. naturally to you. Yeah, it, yeah excruciating, really. It, it just was, was um, devastating spiritually, you know. Um, but again, great things come out of that because when I, I once again have the time and the space and am able to make as much art as I want, it's like a full-on explosion, you yeah, know, yeah. So there's always, and and I have a lot of negative stuff to process, and that makes great art. Pain makes for wonderful paintings. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get out of that painful place that you were when you were disconnected from your creativity? What was the aha moment that you realized you had to do something to get out of it? And how did you get out of that space? Well, you know, there, it's actually two different questions. I thought of them. I they, I got out of the space because I got divorced. And so I was able mm. to start my life and recreate it on my own. So I got myself out of the space. Um, and so it wasn't, that wasn't really an aha moment. Um, the aha moments for me have been how much I identify with being an artist at different times in my life. So during that really painful time, I didn't identify as being an artist every day. Um, but now I just finished a painting that, that I was finishing today that really specifically reflects my emotions and my spirit um, the, during the whole process of painting it. So in the beginning, I was very confident. In the middle, I was a little lost. There was some stuff going on, you know, in my personal life and, um, during the end process of finishing this painting, you know, it kind of pulled it all together and looking at it more analytically, um, just like, you know, you move out of a relationship, you got to really structurally figure out what you're going to do, how you're going to live, how, where, you know, where you're going to live, how you're going to set yourself up. And so my life process always reflects my art process. So to answer the question mm. about the aha moment, it, it was really you know, in the past few days, looking at this painting going, aha, you know, I'm fully in my artist ah. self again, that feels amazing. Um, and you have to go through all of these 
twists and turns and curveballs that life throws you to get there. So what's the best advice you've ever received in terms of your creativity? So I thought about this and it wasn't really advice I received or I I didn't know if it was advice or an awareness that I came to or that I've discussed with other artists. But what I would share with people about art is that and creativity in general. A lot of people can make good art or cook a great meal or write really well. A lot of people, millions of people. But to make great art or a fantastic meal or to write something really profound, it means taking risks. And just like we were saying before, it's a willingness to trash something that maybe you've been working on it for months, but being willing to trash it completely in order to get something else. So it has to do... You know, the advice is trusting the process, and it's just like life, and there is beauty and destruction, and knowing that there is always something beautiful to carry forward, even if it's just that you learn something incredible, then it was worth it, because we're here to learn and grow, and, you know, growth is not always easy, and change is inevitable, and growth is optional, and we all know all of those euphemisms, but you really have to be willing to dive into the darkest parts. Um, to really create amazing art. So I would just tell people, trust that you're connected, trust your process, whatever that is, and just, you know, dive in and don't be afraid to risk what you're doing. Why do you think people are afraid to take those risks and to dive deep? Well, it's scary. I mean, you never know what you're going to dive into. And sometimes it's really painful. And if, you know, in life, And if you're making a piece of art, you know, sometimes you've got something going and you think it's really beautiful and maybe it is and you've been doing, you know, you just get attached because you've put your energy and your love Mm. into something. Um, But that doesn't mean that it can't be better or that it wouldn't be okay for you to, you know, use whatever you're making to process your emotions. And, you know, one day you might be really challenged and upset and just go in and slap you know, white paint over the whole thing and something amazing could come out of that. Is there a person in your life that inspires you to be creative? And this person could be alive or dead. Um, Yeah, I thought about that question too. So I can't really name one person unless I, you know, there's always artists whose work inspire me and friends who are artists whose work inspire me. I'm inspired by life, Elizabeth. I'm inspired by, you know, my husband, but not literally by my husband. I'm inspired by the emotions of being in love and not the earth itself, but the beauty of the earth and how I feel and my children and not specifically my children, but my emotions about my children. Um, You know, all of that challenges and transitions. And I'm a huge fan of Georgia O'Keeffe. And she said something like, you know, she never Mm. could replicate. She wasn't trying to replicate nature exactly. She was trying to replicate the feelings she gets from nature. And so that's really my inspiration. Mm. Feelings I get from my life experience and my world. That's a wonderful distinction. I'm going to be thinking about that after this interview for a long time, I think. Yeah, it's really it's really about that. It's not literal. Yeah, yeah. So do you have a favorite work of art? Um, a favorite in like, like work of art in the whole world? Yeah, in the whole world. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I think I could never pick one yeah. work of art that would be my favorite. I, there's so many that I love. I mean, I, you know, 
Oh, I, I love I love Louise Nevelson and Richard Diebenkorn and and I love you know I love Francis Bacon and Lucian Freud and this, and I love you know Edvard Munch's painting the screen because I have felt that way before. Yes, so <laughs> I think that you know I have a favorite piece of art depending on what is going on for me right then and there, like mm-hmm. what I relate to. It's just like an amazing song. You have a favorite song because it reminds you of something you're going through in life. And I think that's how art's always been for me. A favorite painting that reflects, you know, I really relate to it because of what's going on in my life. I, you mentioned The Scream, and I was at an art gallery years and years ago where uh, Edvard Munch's um, works were on display. And uh, I was already a fan of, of his paintings. And then when I went to, to see the, the paintings on the wall, I you know, when you're really close to them, it felt like there was this energy field coming from the painting. And I'd never ex- right. experienced something like that before. It was, it was quite un- unusual. Yeah. And I think it's like kind of the same thing we were saying. Obviously, it's not not a literal painting it's not painted you know perfectly or is anatomically correct in any way but he certainly communicated a feeling with it didn't he yeah yes he does yeah and is there a quote that inspires you yes I love uh, Paul Gauguin's quote I shut my eyes in order to see oh love I love that too <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So, yeah. is there anything else that you'd like to share before we finish up? I think that, you know, um you 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 had great questions and so, you know, I hope that I've imparted some of what I've learned. It's just to my my parting words would be you know, what something the Buddha said, it's another favorite quote. It's it's better to travel than to arrive. And creativity is really about the process. And, and as artists, we are really blessed to be able to have this method and this thing we can use and tap into to process our life emotions. And so however you can quiet yourself down and connect to your spirit, your soul, you know, whatever is higher power for you, um, and then use that to inform your artistic language, that's that's when you're going to make the best art. And, you know, get outside and and touch the earth and look at the sky and the clouds and the rocks and the trees. And it's just, um, life is a miracle. Get outside, meditate outside, take deep breaths, stop and go. And I have one more really cool thing to share. Um, I told you that I've, I've, I've studied with a lot of teachers, and one of them is Rick Hansen, who's a very, very famous neuropsychiatrist, and he wrote a terrific book called The Buddha's Brain, and I've used um, Rick's techniques in a lot of my workshops, but one of the, my favorite things that I learned from Rick is that you know, our brains are very much forged in negative experience. And so that's why we always default to negative thoughts. We have way more negative thoughts. I think it's like 75, 25 yeah. um, to positive. But we can rewire our brains to think more positively. And one simple thing that everybody can do, Rick, through his research, found that it only takes 10 seconds of a positive experience to forge a new neural pathway in your brain in a positive experience. And so if you do that again and again and again, you're going to have much more connections in your brain that are positive, and ultimately over time, you will default to more positive 
thinking as opposed to negative thinking. So in the real world, what that means is, you know, if someone hugs you, literally, Elizabeth, sometimes I'll count to 10 and really notice how that feels in my body. Or, you know, you see a video that's heartwarming or you smell a flower. It's this 10 second thing that is scientifically proven to create a new neural pathway in your brain. It's just this simple, amazing practice that really, you know, anyone can do all the time. And it really, truly works. I love that. And, it, and it's, I'm happy to share it's it. so doable. 10 yeah. seconds. Everybody can afford 10 seconds. Yeah, everybody can do 10 seconds, exactly. (laughs) Well, it was wonderful talking with you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for taking the time. Sure, sure. You're welcome. And thank you for all the great work you're doing. And um, I look forward to hearing more. If you'd like to continue the conversation about creativity, then join me in my Facebook group, Own Your Creativity Cafe. An easy way to get there is just to follow the link bit.ly forward slash O-Y-C-F-B, bit.ly forward slash O-Y-C-F-B, or just log into your Facebook account and just search for Own Your Creativity Cafe, and I'll see you on the other side.